Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Lawrence Gregory. It is entitled Predestination. Lawrence? Good afternoon, everyone. What do you believe about predestination? Does it mean it is already determined who will be saved and who will be lost? What about free moral agency? Do we have a choice? What about some that are used by God for evil, like Satan, Pharaoh, Judas and others. Now at this time we want to remember that uh, God does allow and does permit temporarily evil or evil persons to exist until he determines sooner or later when it's going to end. Well what about some that are used by God for good like Joseph, Jeremiah, Cyrus, Paul, Jesus? What about us, Christians? Do we have a choice control over our destiny? Can we alter God's will in our lives? Does predestination mean that whatever evil we do, we will be saved still? Or whatever good a person does, no matter how evil they are, they will be saved because of predestination. Does a person have a choice? Now for a few scriptures to consider this. First, it will help us to understand that the word predestination only occurs four times in the Bible. And all four of those in the New Testament. And that Greek word, now, I'm not going to give us all of the Strong's and Vine's numbers and the Greek uh, numbers uh, for the words that we go through here, but uh, you can look these up for yourself. I may refer to a few of them, uh, like this one that is predestinate, and it's the number 4309, prorizo, and it means to determine before, ordain, or predetermine. Now, those four scriptures will turn to Romans, the 8th chapter, and begin in verse 28. I'm going to read three verses here. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are, notice, the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good according to the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. And there's more to the uh, verse and the thought there. You can read that later. Let's go to the second occurrence. 
of the other two verses in the New Testament, and that is in the book of Ephesians. And that is the first chapter, Ephesians 1. And we're going to read a few verses here, 3 through uh, 6, and then verse uh, 11. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. And then verse 11, we have to skip a few verses here. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And so this word predestinated is from the Greek word that I mentioned, number 4309, and it means to determine before, ordain, or predetermine. So we see that uh, back up here in verse uh, 5, here just a minute, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, and then in verse 11, we see more about predestination. So, there are uh, now a, uh, thing, a few things that we need to consider before we look at a few more scriptures. And one of those is how time and chance happens to everyone, and how it happens in our life, and how it fits in with predestination. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes, the ninth chapter, and uh, verse uh, 11. We'll read a couple of verses here. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11 and 12. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happens to them all. Time and chance happens to them all. For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare. So are the sons of men snared in an evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. So, we're going through life, and something happens, something bad happens. Time and chance, you know. Everyone experiences this to a degree. If just because a person was righteous, all good happened to them, and only good happened to them, then you think a lot of folks would want to be following that because they'd want to get some of that good. So they'd be phony and pretender and like some, you know, pretending to be good so that they could receive of those blessings. Now, let's go back to the New Testament and see an example there and a type uh, of uh, something that we want to consider here. Uh, Luke, the 10th chapter, and uh, beginning in verse 30. And Jesus answered 
and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so we go through a number of different individuals that saw this. Now, let's think about this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because this is a, a separate subject. But there's a couple of things I wanted to say here. Is that a lot of folks use this Good Samaritan story to justify a lot of uh, uh, times of giving good to people who don't need it or deserve it. Now, it's pretty obvious that uh, a lot of these individuals, several of these individuals that are coming along that saw this person who was obviously wounded, lying in the street. He had a real need. And so the Good Samaritan came by and he treated him and then he took him into town and he was a traveling, probably a traveling salesman or whatever. So he left some money there and told the guy, he says, if you need more when I come back, I'll help you. Now, just uh, by chance, a couple of days ago, I was talking to another minister about another subject. But he mentioned that in a congregation that he had attended, uh, one time there came a lady uh, driving an old car and she had old clothes on and she had a real need and she was really headed. So the brethren in the congregation took up an offering and uh, gave her some money and everything. And so this one member in the congregation, he followed her when she left in that old beat up car and her old clothes with the money. She went a couple of miles down the road drove that old car up on a trailer, got in her Cadillac that was pulling the trailer, and drove off. How many of us have heard about welfare madams driving their Rolls Royce, living in a million dollar? Uh, sometimes people, you know, they hit you up. We have a, we have a right, and, and it's expected of us now. The last few verses that Art was talking about was giving to those that have a need, especially of the brethren. So if we know that somebody has a real need, and we have it by us. The scripture encourages to help that person give it to them. But, you know, we can ask a few questions, can't we? Because that person may have more money than you have. Right? That person could be a fraud, a deceitful cunning. And we don't, we're not under any obligation to support or to encourage fraud or uh, petty larceny in that sense. Or it might be a felony if the person is really frauding a person. So... We can ask some questions, and if a person has a real need, it's pretty obvious that the person is wounded and they have a need, then we can give some money to that help, help that person or give some assistance in some way to help them. And uh, that's noble and honorable. And uh, we, we can provide if we know that we have a uh, real, justifiable, uh, provable, authentic need there. So we need to be very careful about that. Now, uh, there's another scripture here that is uh, kind of a, a, a type of, of physical uh, providence, and that's in Acts, the uh, 24th chapter. Acts 24, verse 2. Now, Paul is uh, uh, having to give a witness here because, uh, you know, uh, they hired some professional liars to give a phony story and uh, to inform the governor about Paul. 
So they hired this uh, particular uh, orator, and he came, and he said, and when he was called forth, Tertullius is his name, in case you want to read it, began to accuse him, saying, seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness, and that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence, by thy provision. So he's lying, and he's flattering, and he's using this... Uh, Phony story. Now, this word is uh, pronia, and it's uh, very close in with the uh, word that we uh, saw for uh, uh, predestination. So, predestination means to provide or to meet the needs or uh, for someone in advance. So, this governor was providing the needs for the Roman citizens, and so this. Uh, Man was using it as a source of flattery to, uh, to flatter this governor and to accuse Paul of uh, his uh, neglect and lack. Now, I'm not going to turn there, but if you want to, later on, you can just make a note down there. Read the Psalm 107, and it shows verse after verse after verse, 40-some verses of praising God for his provision, providing all the things that he is providing for us. And so... You can read that later, but uh, I'm just going to say a few things before we look at some other terms and then some other scriptures. One of these is we must consider time and chance in our experiences as we go through life. And as we consider predestination, consider time and chance. Sometimes it's mixed with divine providence in our lives. And so sometimes time and chance, the things that we're doing, is mixed up with divine providence. Our decisions, actions, will are united in making our choices. So we have to make a choice. We have to decide about something. So we take our experience and our will and our knowledge and our understanding and previous experiences and hopefully with prayer that we've directed to God with his help that we make a decision. Now, in Deuteronomy, we're familiar, so familiar with this chapter, Deuteronomy 30, but I want to read uh, a number of verses here. Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20, and uh, just without a, without a lot of comment here, we're familiar with this, Deuteronomy 30, uh, 15 through the end of the chapter, verse 20. See... I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil in that I command you this day to love the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply and the Lord thy God shall bless you in the land whither you go to possess it. But if your heart turn away so that you will not hear but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish, and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land whither the possess, uh, passes over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both you and your seed may live that you may love the Lord thy God 
and that you may obey his voice, and that you may cleave unto him, for he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. So God expects us, God wants us in the choices and decisions that we make in life, considering time and chance, considering God's providence, the good that's there, the bad that we reject, or we see that with God's help, that we make a right choice. He wants us to make a right choice. Unfortunately, a lot of folks are not making right choices. They're leaving God out of the equation, and they're just existing, and they're just meeting problems as they occur and, and facing it and trying to work it out on their own through their own uh, uh, humanism and their own philosophy and, and their own religion or whatever, and they're leaving God out of the equation. But God wants us to include him in those decisions that we can make the right decision according to what his plan and his purpose is, according to what his provision is, according to what his predestination for us is as our relationship being the called and chosen and, and the select ones of God. Now, there are some other terms that we want to consider. Uh, the English uh, words and English translations from the Greek. And uh, some of those words are very similar and some are the same that are uh, translated and some are, are used interchangeably. And we'll see first those terms. Foresaw, foreknowledge, foreknew, foreknown, foreseeing, foreordained, and predestinated. And then there are other words that are very similar to these words that are used for predestination, like uh, provide, determine, counsel. A lot of those, when you study the Greek and study the, the Hebrew uh, origin of those words, and you see that they can be used uh, as uh, synonyms for uh, predestination, for the special calling. Now, let's go to the first uh, scripture here that we have the English word foresaw, and this word uh, proeo, pro to be held in advance, to notice previously, to keep in view, to see before. Let's go back at, while we're in, in uh, no, we moved from Acts. Let's go back to Acts, the second chapter. Acts 2, verse 25. For David speaketh concerning him, that's Christ God, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Now, what did David mean? I foresaw the Lord. Aren't we that way? Don't we include God so that we can look ahead and see God helping us? God helping us, and then when it happens, we see and we give glory and praise, and we expect him, and so we include him in our life, past, present, and future. The things that we're doing that we look to God for in advance, just as David did. Now, uh, this word foreknowledge, foreknow, 
uh, foreknown. Let's look at uh, some of those words there in Acts 2, while we're here in uh, 2.22. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have, for, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. So by the determinate counsel, by the decision, by the determined, by the predestination, by the pre-planning, by the pre-forming of the purpose and plan of God that Jesus Christ bore our sins and died for us because God looked ahead and saw that there was a need and he planned this all out in advance. Now, let's go to 1 Peter 1. And verse 2. Elect, that's us, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. And we could go through Peter, James, and John, and Hebrews, and all the New Testament, and all the Bible, and there are so many verses that give us encouragement and positive insight and, and the like. But here, notice that uh, we are called and elected and foreknew by God. Now, how did he do that? How did God foreknow that we would respond? Okay, let's continue on here. Foreseeing is another word that uh, means saw before, predict. In uh, Galatians 3.8, let's go back uh, a few chapters here, a few books to Galatians. Chapter 3, verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then they which are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So there's more. But God, through the scriptures, foreseeing his plan and his purpose. And so... Uh, how do we understand the purpose and the plan of God? By going to the scriptures. And he inspired men to write down things that they didn't understand. They, they, even the angels look into things and they're puzzled. They don't understand fully what is in the scriptures. But God has put it there for us so that as we come along, we can have those scriptures for encouragement, instruction, uh, for help uh, in the in the present and in the future so that we can be uh, able to be uh, 
responding to the call and the will of God. Now, in uh, 1 Peter 1.20, we have uh, the word foreordained. And uh, that word is prognoska, the same as, or very similar to some of these words that we're looking at. To know beforehand, foresee, know before, Jesus was called before, as the scripture says in, in 1 Peter. Let's go there again to 1 Peter. And uh, chapter 1, verse 20. Uh, talking here in verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ... As of a lamb without blemish and without spot, coming to verse 20, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So it is for us that God looked ahead and he planned for Jesus Christ to come and the scriptures showed, many scriptures showed how he was to come and who he was to be so that we can verify and authenticate that he was who he said he was and we can trust in him and have complete confidence and faith that Jesus Christ is our Savior by who he was, what he fulfilled, what he did, and uh, how we can prove that. Now, we saw in... uh, a number of other scriptures already in Romans 8:28 but let's go to while we're here uh, back up to Romans 11th chapter verse 12 Romans 11 verse Oh, Romans 11, I'm sorry, verse 1 through 2, 1 and 2, verse, Romans, not Romans 11, 12, but Romans 11, verse 1 and 2. I got that little mixed up in my notes here, so please, please understand, and uh, maybe, uh, well, he's already corrected that on the board. Thank you, Brian. I say then. Has God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people which he foreknew. Know ye not what the scripture says of Elijah, Elias? How he maketh intercession by God against Israel, saying, and there's more about that, so... Uh, this is confusing to so many, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because uh, we know there's confusing about Israel and the church and how the church fits into Israel and physical Israel, spiritual Israel, because the Bible talks a lot about prophecies that concern Israel and prophecies that concern the church. And uh, we have to be careful that we don't spiritualize everything away into the uh, spiritual Israel. I'll say everything applies to the church that is uh, concerning Israel. Or that everything uh, concerning Israel applies to the church. 
we have to understand the scriptures as God gives us inspiration and it reveals and, and he shows uh, what is the truth of that. And so God has not cast away. He is still working with Israel in the nations, in the world, in prophecy. So we need to understand that and keep that separate. He's also working since the days of Christ with the church, with us who are the called, who are sanctified ones, who are special out of Israel, who have become spiritual Israel. And uh, Gentiles, heathen, uh, others that are other nations can become a part of the church, can become a part of spiritual Israel. And that's a great mystery. And it takes a, a more time to understand and explain that. And this is confusing to a lot of the world and a lot of people who don't consider the Bible. And uh, it's like I, I told you this a few weeks ago. Uh, last time I spoke, this has been several months now, and I was uh, watching television, and uh, they were saying about the new exploration of this uh, Pluto planet, you know, when they're trying to prove whether is it a planet or not, and exploration. And they were talking about is life out in space there in those other galaxies and the rest of the universe and all those billions of stars that are out there. Uh, it's hard for them to understand that there's not life out there. And uh, why aren't those people, uh, life out there communicating with us with radio waves and things? And I, and I was sitting in my chair listening, and I thought, yeah, I was listening, and I've told you this. I, you dummy. Uh, we've got words from creatures from outer space. God has revealed. He's shown us. He's given us his word. He's talked to us. But men don't want to consider that. They don't want to listen to the Bible. They don't want to listen to God's word that he brings life and the angels that bring and good words that they bring from there, do they? Man doesn't want to listen to that. He wants to reject it. And so, um, I don't know how I got off on that, but anyway, I wanted to repeat something from uh, a few uh, months ago. Now, the word predestinate, uh, number 4309, 4307, 4309, 4308, all and some of those other words that are used uh, very similar, uh, you can track those out. But let's go. Back to Romans, while we're Romans here, to uh, verse uh, 28. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness. Thank God. I'm not going to drag out prophecy and, and all of the uh, Holocaust that's ahead of us in the global affecting Israel and the nations and the world. Won't go on forever. It'll come short, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and had been as Gomorrah. Oh, that's chapter 9. Uh, excuse me. I want to go back to chapter 8. Um, thank you for your patience. I had my head down, so I didn't see hands raised up. If, uh, if old Ken over there was trying to correct me, <laughs> I didn't see it, Ken. Were you? Not this time, huh? <laughs> okay. Uh, Romans 8. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We read this earlier. For whom he did predestinate, to whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate 
to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then uh, to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And I had referred to that scripture before, so we can come back time after time to some favorite scriptures and, and uh, glean more inspiration and encouragement and help. So God has foreseen a time when he is going to call. Now, uh, some he calls in general. He has determined that some are not going to be called, that in general many are going to be called. Some he has called specifically for a specific purpose. We know that when we look at the scriptures. Now, we don't know, and we can say, God has called me in general, and so I have to overcome, and I have to endure to the end, and I have to stay faithful, because God has called me and sanctified me and set me apart. And so, in a general classification, we can say that applies to everyone. Now, the fruits, history, scriptures can confirm God's special calling on individuals like Jesus Christ, like the Apostle Paul, like Jeremiah, like Daniel, like different ones that had a specific calling and are named and used specifically by God. So let's uh, wrap this up, I guess, by uh, some commentary and then a final scripture here. Uh, you may not agree with everything I say because I've written down some things and some of this is uh, going to be uh, duplicated and uh, some of it will be uh, uh, well before, before I go to my closing I've got a few more scriptures here I want to share with us because I added this later here so let me do this uh, there's a few things about God specifically before we wrap it up on my comments about uh, predestination. And uh, let's go to, back to Jeremiah, because we went through this in our Bible study recently, and I'm just going to uh, refer here in Jeremiah, the 32nd chapter, a couple of verses here. First is something that uh, Jeremiah says in his prayer, and then God seems to pick up on that and he asks a question. And it's something I think that would be good for all of us to uh, hear. In Jeremiah, the 32nd chapter, verse 17, uh, Jeremiah said, he prayed to the Lord saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for you. God who created everything, there's nothing too hard for him. Now, God picks up on this, and then he asks a question here in um, verse uh, 27. Then the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, this is God talking to Jeremiah, and he wrote this down for us. Behold, I am the Lord the God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? First, Jeremiah says it in prayer. God, there's nothing too hard for you. Then later, God kind of keys off of that and comes back to Jeremiah and asks a question. 
for him to consider. And it's something there that we can consider. Is there anything too hard for God? So whatever our situation in life, whatever our circumstances is, whatever time and chance we're living in, whatever we're going through uh, life, and in trying to include God, he can provide and bless us in the future, right? He can bless us now. He can bless us in the future. He can provide uh, whatever needs that we have and whatever needs that we want. And so uh, let's go back to Isaiah the uh, 57th, is it? Isaiah 50, let me see, 51 or 57, if I can read more. Yeah, 57, Isaiah 57. I couldn't figure out if I wrote 51 or 57 down. Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus says the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Now, I picked up on this uh, a long time ago, when I was just a young Christian, that God inhabits eternity. That means, and we've got scriptures, you know, where if you go to heaven or if you go into hell or if you go into the lowest reaches of the earth or wherever you go, God is there. And God inhabits eternity. He is the Lord God wherever and whenever. So for those a thousand years ago or several thousand years ago, or a thousand years in the future, the same God. God is there, right? So if we could be transported into the future, God would be there, right? Because God inhabits eternity. He is past, present. We have a word for that called omnipresent. And God, we have other words that says that he is omniscient, that he is omnipresent, that he is omniscient, that he is all power, that he is all places, everywhere. God, I don't know how he can do it. He is a spirit there on the throne, but he can be everywhere through his spirit, past, present, and future. So whenever we have a need tomorrow or next month or next year, God is there. We, when, we, when we approach that time, he is there. He, is, he inhabits eternity. Now let's back up to Isaiah 46. Hear uh, a little more of this. Isaiah 46, verse uh, 9 through 11. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring <clears throat> the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous beast, a, a bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have pur purposed it, and I will also do it. So a long time ago, 
God said, I'm going to do something. And then he brought it about. He's, thank God we can look back and we can see his involvement. Now, here's another uh, uh, comment on providential, providences, and how that fits in with predestination and the providence of God and providentially. We can look back in the history of man and the history of Israel and, the, and in our own history, and we can see times when God intervened and he checked and he did certain things for us. Now, God can tell the end from the beginning. And he has done that. He has given us prophecy. He has given us his word. He has written down scriptures. And so we can bank on that. We can, we can know some things. Now, God has kept some things to himself. Uh, we know that. He has told us that you know, we can know some things, but there's some things that he's just kept himself that he'll surprise us with, good surprises, and tell us you know, later and uh, give us more information so that we can know some of those good things. Uh, one more scripture here in uh, Psalm 139, verse 7. Psalm 139, verse 7. Whither, the psalmist asks, Whither shall I go from your spirit? Or whither shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend, I talked about this earlier, if I ascend up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the hell or the grave, behold, in the lower parts of the earth, behold, or wherever that is, behold, you are there. And so, uh, you know, we understand about the doctrine about the ever-burning hell and about the Tartarus and about the grave and about, you know, most people are buried in the ground. Some of the Indians were buried up above the ground, you know, uh, above. Uh, they didn't want to be buried in the ground. So they were buried up, in a, up on a platform up in the air. And so we understand different ones have uh, different uh, beliefs. Some are cremated, some are not. But David was saying, wherever I go, you're there. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about God being inhabiting eternity. Now, let's uh, consider a few things here that uh, I've uh, written down, some questions here that I want us to uh, consider. Predestination. God does not force anyone to do evil. He lets them do what they want to do and uses that to accomplish his will. He didn't force Satan. He didn't force uh, Balaam. He didn't force individuals to do. But he allowed them, he permitted them of their own personality, their own evil and their own uh, uh, plans and purposes to accomplish his will and his purpose. Now he might have made it a little easier for some to do certain things, but know this, we can, we can understand this. Sooner or later, God is going to put an end to all evil and all unrighteousness, and every person, every evil thing will be stopped, right? Only good will prevail for all eternity in the future. We know that. We uh, look ahead 
uh, thousands of years, a thousand years plus, hundreds of years, to know that there's going to be a time when God is going to accomplish, and he's going to put an end to all evil. He's going to do that, and we can rejoice in that. Sometimes he checks them, overrides their way to accomplish his will. Ultimately, his way, his will, triumphs over all others to accomplish his purpose. He gives everyone a fair chance for life, yet no some will refuse and reject his way to do their own. Those who are like that will suffer the ultimate fate of eternal death. So in God's plan and his purpose, he hasn't called everyone five, six, seven thousand years ago. He didn't just give everyone the truth and the knowledge. He called certain ones that he could use and, and, and share his uh, salvation, his plan, and his purpose with for whatever reasons. That's his determination, that's his counsel, and that's his reason behind it. So down through the ages, he collectively and selectively has done that. But there's coming a time in the future when he's going to give everyone, everyone who has ever lived, and we've talked about this before, and it's so encouraging to know that God, in his plan and purpose, is going to give everyone a fair chance, fair knowledge, now, some who uh, reject that and who uh, just refuse and who are, their mind is set that they're not going to see God's way, he's going to deal with them. He's going to throw them on a lake of fire, burn them up, cease to exist, and do away with them, and there won't be any more problem. Ultimately, only good will uh, ultimately uh, be in existence. When, when given all the truth... Most will accept it, but a few will reject it. All can either accept or reject the truth. God wants us to accept the truth. So, predestination. The plan and purpose of God in his work of salvation, ordained, foreseen, foreknown, in advance, predicted in the scriptures, and now working in our lives. That is an elect few, ultimately, and everyone. Right now, just in an elect, select few. We participate by hearing, believing, responding to his call, his choosing. We become special in this act. Not dominated by his will, but as free moral agents making our own decisions with his help. So God in predestination has determined, predetermined in his counsel and his wisdom that he's going to give us who are hearing this expounded and who are the called according to his purpose. Now some may not, but those of us, so we have a responsibility, we have a, a duty to endure to the end overcome because it's to save uh, salvation is for those who believe to the end we can't turn back we can't stop we can't quit we can't say oh, I don't want that anymore no for us if we say that it's ended now God in his mercy and his love and his kindness he's going to help us and there's some stubborn guys and gals that are just he has to work harder with doesn't he and there's some easier that respond easier and come along faster. And some of us 
takes a long time. I've been in this way a long time. Oh, Lucille. I mean, uh, Lucille. <laughs> Excuse me, Lucille. Lucille and I go back to the 50s. And some of us. How many else here go back to the 50s? Okay, Aletha. Yeah. And Marsha. And some of us old timers. We've been in this way because God has to beat up on us for a long time. Right, Lucille? <laughs> Aletha, right? See, he didn't just call you a few. Uh, now, how many have just been more recently called? Let me see. More recently. A few years, a few months. Cowards. <laughs> oh, okay. One, one hand went up over there. Okay. So some... You know, long time, some are short time, some are short time. But we can't, we can't say old timers. We've got to say long timers. <laughs> right? Right, Lucille? Whatever I say. <laughs> Whatever I say, don't ever say that. Because I might say something that's not right. Whatever. You don't have to agree. Well, we've got a conversation going here with Lucille. Okay. Uh, let me see. Where am I? Well, I've got one more scripture. Let me, let me have a, uh, another comment here uh, and then a scripture, closing scripture. How is this realized in our life? By circumstances? Arranged by God? By direct influence and leading of His Holy Spirit? By His discipline? Love to conform to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And our willingness to participate, our willingness to accept and to follow along with his leading and his direction. We can participate in predestination. We can participate in that foreknowledge and foreplanning and purpose of God. Now, let's go in closing scripture to 2 Timothy 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. 2 Timothy 1. Be not you therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. Thank God. What a wonderful calling. What a wonderful opportunity to know God and to be the elect and to be able to be a participant in that special calling and that special predestination that he has for us right now.